Hey, it's Anita, and this is the Anita Posh Show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Anita Posh Show, where it is my pleasure to keep you up to date with topics around Bitcoin on a global stage and also the local impact it has on people like you and me. Today, I'm presenting a story and a project from El Salvador in Central America. My guest is Michael Peterson. He is part of Bitcoin Beach, a project which is growing a Bitcoin ecosystem that truly improves lives. Located in a village called El Sonte, 40 businesses are accepting Bitcoin already and El Sonte's inhabitants use it to buy daily goods, pay for medical care or utility bills. In a country where the majority of people do not have access to a bank account and the local businesses could never qualify for merchant accounts needed to accept credit cards, Bitcoin is a real great use case here, or it comes to great use. And it shows its potential for enabling uh, more personal, private and financial freedom for people and how an economy can grow through the use of Bitcoin. And now a short word from my sponsors and then on to the show. But before I want to tell you, you can listen to my podcast also in the Sphinx Chat app and on the Breeze wallet. The possibility you have is there that you also can send Satoshis over the Lightning Network to me. It's of course voluntarily, but it's a great tool to send money or show your appreciation for the work of podcasters through sending some sats. So now enjoy the interview with Michael. Many people worry about the right storage for their Bitcoin. And yes, holding them isn't always easy. Smartphones get lost, hard drives can crash, and online wallets get hacked frequently. The safest way of storing cryptocurrencies long-term is offline in a physical way. That's why Coinfinity developed the Card Wallet, the professional and easy cold storage solution. The Card Wallet supports various security features such as high-quality materials and tamper-proof features which prevent the manipulation of the card and make it a safe place for your beloved coins. Get yourself a Card Wallet now. You will get 20% off if you order at cardwallet.com slash anita. That's cardwallet.com slash Anita. Do you want to stay up to date with the things that happen in Bitcoin from my point of view? Then subscribe to Anita's Weekly, my newsletter with articles, videos, quotes, short tips on how to use Bitcoin and all that for free. Subscribe to Anita's Weekly at anita.link slash weekly. Hello, Michael. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Anita. It's, it's great to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to have you because you are part of a very interesting project in South America. Um, it's called Bitcoin Beach. And as far as I understand it, it's a small, vi small village in uh, El Salvador um, that is using Bitcoin and uh, over the Lightning Network. So before we get into this, uh, please... Um, Introduce yourself to our listeners. Thank you. Sure, sure. I'm Michael Peterson. Um, 
I'm one of the, the team that's down there in Bitcoin Beach creating this circular economy in, in El Salvador. Um, I, I joke that, you know, I'm the one they let hang out on Twitter and do interviews while they do the real work. But uh, the majority <laughs> of our team there are, are all Salvadorans and, you know, they kind of decide on the initiatives and drive everything forward. And when I get to kind of come along for the ride. Mm -hmm. And how did you get into Bitcoin? You know what? I was uh, an economics major in, in university and I've always been kind of fascinated, you know, especially like why are some countries prosperous and, and other ones continue to struggle? It doesn't seem to have anything to do with, you know, the natural resources they have um, or even their, their location in the world or, you know, what you'd think would be natural advantages. And so I've always been fascinated by the, just the different economic systems and, um, and I love Latin America too. So I've you know, studied a lot of Latin American history and just seen the hyperinflation that's plagued a lot of Latin America and how that kind of creates this continued cycle where the, the rich, you know, always find ways to have their assets and things that don't lose value, but the poor continue to be inflated away. And so, um, when I first heard about Bitcoin, you know, probably uh, in 2010, 2011, I was just kind of fascinated that, hey, maybe this is something that could separate, um, you know, money and state, as they, they like to say in Bitcoin. And so from the early days, I just kind of followed along with it. I'm, I'm definitely not a, a tech person. So in the early days, trying to buy Bitcoin or even, you know, figure out how to hold it was uh, a little too daunting. So I didn't actually you know, hold any Bitcoin until probably, you know, four years ago. But, you know, from the early days, I've just been fascinated about, you know, hey, this is something that could really change the world. Mm -hmm. And is Bitcoin Beach a initiative that you support? Or is this your full-time job for somebody else? Or, or how does this work? Yeah, so I have a business in the US that, you know, that's how I pay my bills. And the Bitcoin Beach project is more just a labor of love. And so we were already living in El Salvador kind of half the year, um, you know, before we started this project and doing some economic development work. And so uh, we just saw the opportunity to use Bitcoin, um, not just as, you know, a source of funding, but as a way to, you know, really get the local people to be thinking about what is money, you know, how to save, how to be kind of forward looking and have low time preference. And so that's kind of how it started. And then to be honest, it's just taken off way better than I expected. Um, the, the use of it is, you know, probably 10 times what I thought it would be at this point. And you know, everybody says, oh, Bitcoin will never be used for buying coffee or for small purchases. It's too hard. It takes too long. But there's solutions for all those things. And we have people that, you know, a lot of them only have first, second grade educations, uh, you know, they're living, some of them, even without electricity, but they have smartphones and they're using Bitcoin on a daily basis. And so it's, it's been real fun kind of seeing, you know, the future play out in front of us there. Mm -hmm. I can imagine that. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about the country like El Salvador and its history? I think there have been, has been a war like 30, 20 years ago. Can you tell us a little bit about the living conditions there? Yeah, El Salvador has historically, um, you know, had a, a big disparity in wealth. And so there was kind of the, the upper class or, you know, the, it's a handful of families that have kind of controlled the majority of the land and the wealth in El Salvador. 
And so that's kind of led to some some cycles of of poverty that you know followed by revolution and you kind of have this kind of ongoing cycle and so the the last of that was um i think the war ended in the late 90s i believe or the early 90s i believe they had a civil war that went on for i think about 20 years and so it really devastated the country prior to that uh, el salvador was one of the stronger economies in central america and then coming out of that they were one of the weaker um you had you know about 20% of their population fled the country, uh, most of them coming to the U.S. And so that kind of continued the cycle even after the war. Um, a lot of those in the U.S., um, because of the areas they were living in the U.S., um, a lot of times were, were challenging areas. There was a lot of Salvadoran gangs that formed in the U.S. And then in the late 90s, a lot of those gang members were deported back to El Salvador and so you had these Salvadoran gangs that actually, you know, were created in the U.S. and then were imported back into El Salvador. And for the last 20 years, the gangs have had a huge role in the country and a huge sway on things. And so you kind of went from the Civil War to the gang crisis. And, you know, all of these have economic implications, especially for the poorest people. And so we're, we're just, I feel, coming out of that now and seeing... Uh, El Salvador really start to make some good forward progress. Um, you have the the government there has been, you know, making some some positive pushes to to embrace new technology and to to bring in tourism and to try to grow the economy. And we see Bitcoin as playing a huge role in that. And hopefully in the future, we we would love to see El Salvador be the first country to embrace Bitcoin as you know a probably not the only currency, but as an official currency. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, what is the average income in El Salvador for people? The average income, you know, the average wages are probably anywhere from three to $500 a month. Um, that would be kind of an average wage. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so it's it's very challenging for the people there to, to make it. The costs aren't really that much lower um, than they are in the U.S. I mean, obviously for... For rent, um, they are, but for, for food and clothing and all, you know, the necessities of life, the, the costs are not that much lower. And so, um, yeah, it's definitely a struggle there for people to kind of make it month to month. Mm -hmm. And uh, the national currency, what, what is it called and uh, how is inflation in the country? So their, their national currency is a currency that at one time was really well, uh, doing really well and was very strong. But uh, recently the The uh, central bank has just keeps printing more and more money and uh, deflating it. And that, that national currency is actually the U.S. dollar. So I, mm -hmm. I say that only halfway in jest. But yeah, they dollarized their economy back in 2000. Um, I think basically to, to tie the hands of their own central bank so that they couldn't just print. Um, but unfortunately, they cho chose another central bank that's decided to follow that same path. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So basically people have a low income, high costs, and at the same time, uh, they need to use the U.S. dollars. I mean, is, is the U.S. dollar easy to get for people in the country or is this also a problem? No, the, the dollar is easy to get. I mean, it is the official currency, so there's nothing oh. else. Everything everything okay. transacts in U.S. dollars. So it's um, the original... You know, historically, they had a currency called the Cologne, but they got rid of that in 2000 when they dollarized the economy. And so, yeah, everything's dollars. Uh, the, on the only one uh, unique thing is you'll see uh, 
dollar coins there. The U.S. tried to introduce dollar coins, I think, like 15 years ago, and nobody wanted them. So they <laughs> shipped them all down to El Salvador. So that's where you'll find oh. all the dollar coins. Okay, so you get all the bad things exported, basically, like the <laughs> basically. gangs and the coins. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, nice. <laughs> um, okay, um, so... What are the basic use cases for people in El Salvador for for Bitcoin? Just to transact in daily life, uh, banking is is very challenging for the people. You know, there's no bank in the town where we're at. There's there's not even a a dollar ATM. Uh, there is a Bitcoin ATM now, but I think it's the only city in the world that has a Bitcoin ATM and not a fiat ATM. But um, yeah, so there's no there's no way really for them to bank and. You know, so for those who do have bank accounts, they have to take the bus for, you know, at least a half an hour, probably an hour uh, into the neighboring kind of bigger town. And for a lot of them, they can't even open bank accounts because they either don't have the right identification or they work in the informal economy. And so they, you know, aren't able to open bank accounts. And then for a lot of the stores, um, kind of same thing, either they don't have bank accounts or if they do, they can't accept credit cards because they don't have the credit profile that makes it worth the banks wanting to deal with them. And so everything has to be done in cash. You know, they have the the challenges of, of, you know, making sure they have change all the time. They have the challenges of having cash on hand at the end of the night that they're, you know, concerned could be stolen from them. And they, most of them can't take credit cards. And the ones that do, the credit card companies really stick it to them. They, they pay usually between 6 to 7% um, in fees. And so, you know, in a, an economy where people are barely making it, you know, a lot of times that means the, the credit card companies take the only profits that are there. And so we've seen Bitcoin come in and basically provide all these things for people. Now it's their savings account. It's their method of transaction globally. They can, you know, send mobile payments. It allows the stores to, you know, keep their money in a secure way without having to take the bus to the bank every day. And so for a lot of people, it's just the way they transact in daily life. And I also think a lot of money is coming through remittances to the country. Yeah, I've, I've heard um, ranges anywhere from, from 20 to 24% of the um, Salvadoran GDP is coming from remittances. Which, you know, that in itself is, you know, shows you that there's some some challenges and some issues. And we hope that'll go down over time as the Salvadoran economy grows. But for now, we're really focused on making it easier for people to get support from their families living in the U.S. or Europe and make sure they hold on to more of it. You know, when when people send money through Western Union, especially if it's for smaller amounts, a crazy amount is siphoned off in fees. And it's also just a logistical nightmare for them to have to go pick it up and you know take the bus there, take the bus back, spend money and time doing that where with Bitcoin, now they can just, you know, call their son up in the US and say, hey, can you send me twenty dollars in and you know in Bitcoin? And and you know, 30 seconds later it, it's you know in the mom's you know mobile wallet that she can take down to the store and buy tortillas or milk or whatever she needs. And I can also imagine that it's dangerous to go to the Western Union branch or something like that to to collect the remittance. Yeah, I think like you know, like anywhere it's it's um it's often unwise to you know carry large amounts of cash on you, especially if you're gonna have to take public transport and so you know, that's that's a concern of people to have to, you know, to travel carrying large amounts of cash, the possibility that somebody could see them coming out of the Western Union office and and follow them. And so, 
with Bitcoin, they just they don't have to worry about that anymore. So how did this initiative start? I mean, who had the idea and uh, what were the plans? And yeah, how did it start? And how did people like, um, how did they react to it in the first place? So it started, we were, we were already doing some economic development projects in, in the town just because that's where we live and, and we love mm -hmm. the people there and, and we want to, you know, have a positive impact. We've, they've been so accepting of our family and welcoming us. And so um, we were already working on some educational initiatives and some other things. And we, you know, as I got further and further into Bitcoin, um, you know, I'd have various people contact me, you know, ask me questions about Bitcoin and we had another organization contact me and, you know, they had had a Bitcoin donation and they were thinking about how they could use it. And kind of long story short, you know, through that, um, we were connected with uh, some Bitcoin donors. Um, there were a couple of people that, you know, had, you know, a significant amount of Bitcoin gains that they were sitting on and they wanted to see it impact the world for good. And so they, you know, asked us, hey, what are you guys doing down there? And do you think you can incorporate Bitcoin into it? And this is what we want to see happen. You know, we want to see it be real, used in real ways. You know, they don't want it just being cashed out to, to dollars. And, you know, that doesn't really solve anything. And so um, we put together this three-year proposal to basically Bitcoinize uh, the, the village that we're in and kind of from that move further out in El Salvador and see Bitcoin used in a circular way. You know, we want it to be spent at the store, local store, then they have that local store pay their employee, then their employee uses it to buy, you know, from a different store. Now they can use it to even pay their kids, you know, school tuition or their water bill or their electric bill. And so the idea is that, you know, this is not something that it's just going to sit in a, you know, cold storage somewhere, you know, for their grandkids. We, we want to see them, you know, really utilizing the Bitcoin rails and what we believe Bitcoin was designed for to, to improve their daily life. And so, of course, like all Bitcoiners, we believe that, that Bitcoin's the hardest money and that it's going to go up over time. And so that your savings should be held in Bitcoin, but we don't, we don't subscribe to the HODL only, you know, kind of philosophy that you should never spend your Bitcoin. We really think that spending Bitcoin increases the ecosystem. It allows you to, you know, to really utilize the benefits of the Bitcoin rails and it can improve lives of, you know, the, the most vulnerable in the current economic system that have kind of been locked out. Yeah, which is, in, in my opinion, also the biggest use case. I mean, we in the Western world are very privileged and we would not really need Bitcoin, okay? I mean, still, it's good to have it as an alternative, no no question there, yeah? Um, it's also for us here a big improvement um, on, on, on financial freedom. But I think for people in, in Africa, in South America and in, in less uh, privileged countries, Bitcoin is is a great way um, to improve their personal living situation. And um, how, how big is the community there? I mean, how many people live in the area and how many shops and merchants are already involved? So there's about 3,000 residents uh, in El Zante, where we're at. It's, it's kind of a tourist town that, that attracts both international and domestic tourists. And so it kind of, the population swells on the weekends when everybody comes down to go to the beach. And so there's there's actually a lot more businesses in town than you'd usually have for such a small village. So 
We have about 40 uh, businesses that are using Bitcoin in this point in El Zante. And so it's it's pretty significant portion. It's definitely the majority of the businesses in El Zante now are, are using Bitcoin. Some of them, it makes up the majority of their revenue. And uh, what are the, the hurdles? Like, are there any technical hurdles? I mean, you said some people don't even have electricity, but they have smartphones. Um, how does the internet connection look like? Yeah, we've... We've had a lot of kind of hurdles along the way and, and kind of one at a time we found ways around them. So initially we were doing everything on chain and at that time the fees were really low, you know, average fees people were paying were about 25 cents. Um, and so, you know, it wasn't ideal, but it still worked, you know, if they were making at least like a $10 purchase, it wasn't, you know, too much of a percentage of their, their purchase being paid in fees. But we saw that start to ramp up a couple months into the project. And so we at that time moved everything over to the Lightning Network. And that made just a huge difference, not just in the fees, but also the, the transactions are confirmed right away. Um, you know, kind of through that, we developed a partnership with a, a wallet developer and they've developed the wallet specifically for Bitcoin Beach. And so we've been working with Galloy Money and it's it's been really neat for to see you know kind of the the coders and the engineers um, really spend some time to see how uh, people at the lowest economic level can use Bitcoin or what their needs are going to be and so a lot of times you have you know people in the design or the coding world they kind of live in their own little bubble and they you know the things that they think people will want or that are important a lot of times just don't translate and the things they think well that's self-explanatory or why would people need that? Um, you know, they just don't know because they live in a totally different world. They speak a different language. And so it's been neat seeing the, this team from Galloway. They've come, spent a month in El Zante. They've seen how people are using it. They've designed a lot of kind of unique features. Um, one is like there's a map feature within the wallet that shows all the stores that accept Bitcoin. And people can kind of just tap on the icon in that map and pay the store directly from kind of the map without them even have to, you know, oh. spin up a lightning invoice or anything like that. And so it's um, it's been really neat to see it all kind of grow organically, you know, within the community designed for the people who are actually using it. Great. Can you spell the company or the wallet? What's the name of the wallet? Yeah. So the, the wallet is just the Bitcoin Beach wallet. Like if you're looking it up in an app store, uh, it's, it's available to everybody except people in the U.S. because... Uh, You know, our U.S. government likes to make things uh, challenging for people. So mm -hmm. we've uh, excluded U.S. citizens, but but you should be able to access it. <laughs> And the, the company is Galloy, it's G-A-L-O-Y. Um, I always joke with them. I'm oh. like, is, is that the right pronunciation? Because it's a it's a French uh You know, the, the founder was French. And so he's like, oh, well, okay. that's the American, that's the American pronunciation. So go ahead and say it like that. <laughs> okay. I didn't know that before. That's cool. I will look it up. Um, and I think you also work together with Ellen Strike. Is that right? Yeah. We've, um, we've developed a really great relationship with Strike, um, specifically focused on the remittances. And now, um, Strike is actually employing a uh, huge number of, of people in El Zante. They've opened uh, an office there with us. We have a shared office space and, and they're kind of bringing on more team members every week. And they've actually been the number one app in El Salvador for like the last month. It's just crazy. <laughs> It's like, I think they're getting like 10,000 downloads a day. And, you know, there's only 7 million people in El Salvador. So 
It's uh, there's a huge percentage of the Salvadoran population now that that has Strike on their phone, and you know the the nice unique thing about Strike is it's a good gateway to get people um, using Bitcoin because they can still choose to you know hold their Bitcoin uh, or receive their Bitcoin transactions converted to a dollar stablecoin. So for some of them, that's that's easier at first when they kind of are getting their um, mind kind of wrapped around Bitcoin. So it gives them their first exposure. It also makes it easy for their relatives that are in the U.S. because they can just connect their their U.S. bank card to it and they don't have to know anything about Bitcoin. But now they can be sending, you know, Bitcoin remittance payments to their family in El Zante and, you know, they can send it to them. And a minute later, they have it. And 30 seconds later, they can be using it at the local store. So um, we're super excited to have Strike down there and, and to see just how much they've blown up. And how does this work? The, the people in the U.S., uh, when they connect it to their bank account, do they have to do anything special, like another KYC process or something like that or not? They do have to go through KYC. I mean, Strike is, uh, you know, they, they've, they've jumped through all the hurdles to, to be a U.S. registered, you know, company. And so there is a KYC, you know, process. It's not super invasive. Um, you know, of course, like all Bitcoiners, I would prefer there not be any KYC, but mm -hmm. um You also know that's the, the reality of the, the world we live in, at least for now. And so, yeah, they have to go through that process. But, you know, usually it takes five minutes. And then once they're set up and once they have their their bank card connected, you know, the next time they want to send something, you know, they do it in 15 seconds. Cool. And on the recipient side, do people, if they sign up for the LN Strike, is it, it's just a wallet, I guess. Yeah, so people can decide on the receiving side if they want to if they want to hold it as dollars, they'll receive it in their Strike wallet. Um, Strike converts it automatically to a stable coin when they receive it, and so. But they could also receive it in the Bitcoin Beach wallet or Wallet of Satoshi or Blue Wallet or a number of the other you know great Lightning wallets that are out there and and hold it as Bitcoin. And so we're seeing people now they'll kind of use the the Strike and wallet for funds that maybe they need to spend it next week and they don't want to be exposed to the volatility of things. And so they'll hold it in their strike wallet. Um, and we actually have the strike team has come down twice to El Salvador now and they've spent, you know, probably more than a month down there and kind of same thing. They, they've come down, they're seeing how, you know, people are actually using it. They are going back to their engineers and their designers and, and making adaptations for how people in the developing world are going to use this product. And, I think that's really crucial for any company that, you know, everybody talks about banking the unbanked. They talk about the potential of Bitcoin. But if you really want to do that, you have to put the time and effort in and see how people are going to actually use it. And so we're very thankful that Strike's been willing to do that. We know they're like this huge growing company right now and they have all these things on their plate. And so the fact that they're willing to come down and spend a month in El Salvador and walk through these little details it really means a lot to the community there mm -hmm. yeah that's really super important i also saw that last year when i visited zimbabwe and i didn't know for instance that if you uh, have a smartphone and are connected to the internet people only buy like a whatsapp bundle for instance so they only can use WhatsApp. They can't use the World Wide Web to download uh, a wallet from the Play Store or something like that, which I think is very important for the adoption of Bitcoin wallets in the in, in the country. Yeah? So I think it's really important to go there and talk with people how they want to use it and how they 
how their situations, living situations also are. Yeah? No, I, I definitely agree with that. And I think the developing world is, is really going to be where we're going to see the innovation in Bitcoin happening. Like you were mentioning earlier, you know, us, those of us who lived in more developed countries, we have banking systems that more or less work. We might not always be happy with them, but we can send money from one place to another. We can access our money. But in, you know, so people will say, you oh, Bitcoin is a solution in search of a problem. Um, but that's just because they live in a little bubble. They don't realize for the vast majority of the world, they don't have any of these rails and, and Bitcoin will. And for most of them, those aren't coming for decades, you know, outside of Bitcoin. But with Bitcoin, because it breaks down barriers, because it it helps everybody in the world be able to interact with each other. You don't have all these different walled gardens. You know, it can in a year achieve what could take decades with a traditional banking system. Mm -hmm. And when did Bitcoin Beach start last year or when did you start? Yeah, so Bitcoin Beach has been in existence for, for just over a year and a half. Um, so it, it's uh, it's crazy when I think about it, I feel like we've been doing it forever. But I look, you know, how fast <laughs> it's happened and how quickly things have changed. Um, I think sometimes, you know, like like. Watching your own kids grow up, you, you don't feel like it's making huge like jumps and moves. But somebody who hasn't seen your kids for a year and a half sees them and they're like, oh, my gosh, they're like, you know, crazy. They're grownups now. And so we I had that same experience with Peter McCormick because he came down when we were first starting. And, you know, he he thought it was neat, but it was this kind of little niche project. And, you know, I think the reality is he didn't think it would kind of turn into that much. And. Um, he came back this last month and I could tell he was just kept saying how blown away he was that like this had turned into this real crazy big circular economy in El Zante. And it was um, so that was encouraging for us to see, you know, from an outsider perspective, just that something real is happening here and, and something that hopefully the, the rest of the world will take notice of. Mm -hmm. And uh, what's the reaction of tourists that come to El Sonte and don't know about Bitcoin Beach and suddenly everywhere you see signs Bitcoin accepted? What do those people say? They love it. They, uh, they'll take pictures next to the signs and you interact with them. They'll, you know, they'll say, you know, hey, we're, we're from Italy and, you know, this is the last thing we expected. We can't even do this in Italy, but we come to El Salvador and we can pay with you know, everything in Bitcoin. Next time we don't have to worry about trying to exchange all our money. We'll just load up our Bitcoin wallet and, you know, hop on the plane and don't have to worry or deal with any of that. And so um, this this next week, we actually, El Salvador is holding the, um, the qualifying final surfing event for the Olympics. And so this is the, the final event for who's going to go on to the Olympics in Tokyo. And, um, It's neat seeing just all these people from around the world come in and just their their minds are kind of blown when they're looking around like, wait, we can pay with everything with Bitcoin here. And so um, I'm really excited to see how the word gets out just by word of mouth from all the, the surfers that are visiting for this event. It's a great surfing spot. Yeah, of course. Um, is it also something for beginners? Because I actually think about coming to now in July or August, maybe. Yeah, it's actually a perfect place for beginners. There's a, a number of, you know, great surf schools in El Zante where we're at. And uh, a lot of them take Bitcoin. So uh, make, make sure you uh, patronize <laughs> one of those when you come. Um, in fact, even one of the um, people on our Bitcoin beach team, his name is Roman. He has a, a surf school. I think it's Little Fish Surf School, I think it is. So you'll have to look that up. But 
um, yeah, it's a, it's a great place to learn how to surf and it's, it's, I can't even, you know, totally distill why, but it's just one of those amazing communities that people come planning on visiting for a couple of days and, you know, six months later, they're still there. So you got to be <laughs> careful. You might get stuck there. Yeah, maybe. And what, what are the other things one can do there? I mean, do you, for instance, also have something like a co-working space where podcasters like me can work? We, we, I'm glad you asked that because we're, uh, we actually have just uh, kind of rolled that out. We have um, a co-working space where we have the people in the, the strike team are working out of. And then we have a couple other companies that have hired locals from the community to, to you know, provide support roles. And part of our development, we call it Hope House. It's kind of the, the center for all our educational initiatives. And then the top floor is the, the workspace. And we did develop a podcasting booth in that space. We want visiting podcasters to, to come in and to, you know, get the word out about what we're doing there. And so uh, hopefully by the time you come, it'll be all finished. We're, we're working on the sound, you know, the soundproofing aspects of it and all that right now, but it should be dialed in by the time you're there. Oh, well, that sounds perfect, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I, I saw on the website, you also have a donation or a crowdfunding running. Is that true? Yeah, we've, um, we've developed kind of a, a ongoing um, sponsorship and relationship with the Salvadoran surf team in El Salvador. Um, great talent, but historically hasn't been able to get the financial support to compete internationally. And so, you know, being Bitcoin Beach, myself being a surfer, surfing being so um, such an integral part of the Salvador and culture, we really wanted to focus on supporting the surf team there. And so we have actually sponsored the Surf Federation, uh, especially specifically coming into this contest. Um, all the members that we're going to be competing have been receiving a monthly stipend in Bitcoin so they can focus on their training. And we also have Bitcoin prize money for the contest they sponsor throughout the year. And unfortunately, there was a, a huge tragedy that struck us, um, you know, I think it was about a month ago. One of the talented young ladies that was on this team, she was struck by lightning while surfing. Just this kind of freak, tragic accident. And so... We've actually been rallying the Bitcoin community to kind of come around um, her family, but also the El Salvador in general, and kind of use this as an opportunity to show the, the Bitcoin community's support for El Salvador. And we're raising funds to build a surf training center and provide kind of ongoing funding for the, the surfers there to be able to compete internationally, pay for their airfare, those sorts of things. And so... We have a campaign right now. Um, it's uh, if you go to www.kddsurf.com, um, that's where you can you know find the link to donate, and and of course on our um, our Bitcoin Beach handle on Twitter. Um, a lot of times that's the easiest way, but yeah, we're we're gonna build a fully funded Bitcoin Surf Training Center, and we want kind of the Bitcoin community to see the El Salvador and Surf Team as as their team. Like that's, you know, we're, we don't have our own country. We don't have our own borders. We, you know, the Bitcoin community, but we can have our own surf team. So yeah. we're trying to rally people around that. Yeah. I like that. I like, uh, like building communities around sports and Bitcoin. Uh, there's, uh, also in Europe team Satoshi. Um, so we're a decentralized sports team also to raise awareness for Bitcoin. So that's, that's, that are great initiatives. Yeah. 
And that's um, great. That's great. And do you also have a website where people can find information? Yeah, our website is is just uh, bitcoinbeach.com. Um, it's uh, I'll admit I'm not the best at, at keeping it up to date, so uh, I'm working on that. But uh, but definitely on Twitter is is where to find the latest stuff. But if you go to the website, you can find kind of more of the history and the overall layout. We have um, you can meet, kind of see who the team is there, look at their biographies and that sort of thing. So definitely encourage people to to check out the website. Mm -hmm, super. I will put all the links into the show notes. Um, okay. So what is the goal for 2021 and for the coming years? I mean, what are the big uh, goals for your project? So we, we pretty much have uh, hyper Bitcoinization in El Zante right now. I mean, the, the majority of the people are using Bitcoin in some fashion. And so right now we're expanding outside of El Zante and really focused on the, the coastal region there. And so we really want to see this kind of grow organically from with El Zante as kind of the hub. And so our goal by the end of the year would have this be to have the same kind of adoption and kind of the the entire uh, municipality and kind of region that we're in. And then kind of from there, see all of El Salvador. Uh, we really think there is potential for El Salvador to be the first country in the world that adopts Bitcoin as an official currency. You know, as we mentioned earlier, they, they don't have their own currency, so they don't have to worry about, you know, competing with, with Bitcoin. They're already using the U.S. dollar. And so if they were to adopt Bitcoin as a, an official payment rail, um, just imagine all the, the tech and, and Bitcoin companies that would want to locate their headquarters in El Salvador, that would want to have offices in El Salvador. And it could really put El Salvador on the map as far as a forward looking country where people should invest. And mm -hmm. so that's kind of our focus is that, you know, within the next year, there'll be some kind of major announcement that uh, Bitcoin is now recognized as an official currency. Maybe the central bank puts their reserves in it. Um, but more than that, we, we want to see, you know, there to be dozens of Bitcoin related companies that are hiring people, providing good paying jobs and seeing El Salvador kind of lead the world forward in, in Bitcoin. Yeah, that sounds cool. And are you already in contact with local authorities? Yeah, we've had a number of, of meetings with um, with the members of the government. We've met with the president's uh, minister of the economy, with the minister of tourism, um, with with head of CIFCO, which is kind of their trade organization. And so they're they're definitely willing to listen. Um, you know, we haven't seen any any promises or any major steps first, you know, forward on it. But uh, the current administration and the government is is very forward looking. It's a very young team and they really want to embrace tech. And so we mm -hmm. we could see this being a, uh, something that they chose to adopt. And, you know, we We also want to make sure they know what we're doing so they know they don't have to be afraid of it. This is all community development work. It's all stuff to, to better the community. We're, you know, it's not a business. We're not making any money off it. Not, not the business is wrong, but we, we just want to know that, you know, this isn't something that we're, you know, trying, you know, some pyramid scheme or anything. You have all those bad connotations that come with Bitcoin. And so we want to show to them, hey, this can bring real good paying jobs and real great publicity for the country. So hopefully they'll get on board. Yeah, and it's also that you don't go there to exploit the country. You want to bring them possibilities. I mean, you don't take anything, yeah? Exactly. And and instead of, uh, you know, a lot of times the developing world is copying the developed world. This is a chance for them to lead the way. 
So we're really excited about that. Yeah, that's really exciting. So thank you very much, Michael. Um, is there anything that we left out that you want to tell our audience? I don't think so. Just that the other great thing about Bitcoin Beach is just the weather's great year round and the surf is good and it's just a, a great place to be. So we encourage people to come visit and look forward to hearing how, how your visit there goes. But yeah, it's uh it's a beautiful uh a place, especially in in today's environment where, you know, things can kind of be locked down and people can be less social. You don't really see that happening in El Zante. It's still, there's a lot of freedom and movement and, and you're out in the outdoors and so it's low risk. And so we'd encourage people to come visit. Mm -hmm. Super. Yeah. Thank you very much for this uh, conversation. It was very interesting and I will definitely uh, look out, like plan my trip there. <laughs> All right, you'll have to post some pictures of you uh, surfing. So, of course, uh, no, I don't know if this is a good picture. I mean, I will more swim than surf, I guess. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, we got to get you out there on a surfboard. So, I'm more, uh, I'm more into cycling, but I guess that's not really a good thing there to do, is it? You know what? There's a surprising number of cyclists uh, there. <laughs> to me, it it seems like a not the greatest uh, climate for it because it's you know it's perfect uh, hammock climate. But I uh -uh. see people there going up and down the hills on their on their bikes. So it seems to be a growing sport there. Oh, interesting. Okay. Thank you very much. Have a good day and um, see you the next time. Maybe even someday in El Salvador. All right. Perfect. We look forward to having you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for joining the Anita Posh Show today to learn more about Bitcoin. You can find the show notes for this conversation on anita.link slash show. If you want to get the best stories in Bitcoin from my point of view in your mailbox, go to anita.link slash weekly and subscribe. And if you have a question or just want to send me some feedback, drop me a line at hello at anitaposh.com. See you next week when it's time for the Anita Posh Show. Music, start with yes, delicate beats. Content, idea and production, Anita Posh. <laughs>